The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Only twice in the last decade have the Trojans played at Husky Stadium. Each of those games hanging over this week like a massive shadow. Could the Cardinal and Gold once again succumb to playing a backup quarterback, making his first road start after beating a ranked team? Or will Clay Helton rekindle the magic of his most impressive win to date, a controlled demolition of the Huskies as 10-point underdogs in 2016? Saturday afternoon in Seattle, the hot seat meets cooler temperatures for the heat check of the season. It's USC, it's Washington, it's the Pac-12's royalty meeting once again. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scrap, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is 5 and 7 and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 335, coming to you on Thursday, September 26th. We're going to talk about the USC-Washington game coming up on Saturday afternoon at Husky Stadium in Seattle. We're going to preview it, give you our predictions, open up the mailbag, and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Suck it, what's Bruin Show? Yeah. Good I'm time. your host, Mike Castillo. John Lowe, my co-host. Alicia Daratol. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We are in Seattle. Uh, it is Thursday afternoon that we're recording this. We tried to record on Wednesday night like we always do. And we tried and tried and tried for over an hour and just couldn't get it to go. Yeah, um, I think this might be a me, a my internet problem. It might also be a you internet problem. I but think it's you. My internet has been... Very not good recently, so it's probably a me internet problem thing. Uh, can I blame Alicia Deratola for this? Probably. Yeah. Probably. But mm-hmm. the good news is, uh, as we told the folks over on our Slack crew channel on Wednesday night when we discovered that it would be n- impossible for us to record uh, an episode, is that we get to record this in Seattle, in the same room, across the same table from each other, and we get to throw in a, a Psychobuds Bruin show as a result. Yeah, absolutely. And we are in our Airbnb in Seattle. It is awesome. There is a, a pool table here. You can play foosball. How legit is that? Legitness. It is the second best Airbnb we've ever stayed at. Uh, the first being uh, Casa del Gesky over in Utah. Which is undeniably number one forever. I don't know. Casa de, de, de Gesky doesn't have a foosball table, so. 
This is true. You know, just just putting that out there. But there's, there's, that, there's that fire pit outside. They do have an excellent fire pit. The hosts are, are lovely, wonderful people. They're pretty cool. Uh, who, who, are, who are very, very generous, but they are lacking a pool table and a foosball table. And I'm pretty sure that's also an ice hockey table, Michael. You mean air hockey? Air hockey, yes. If there's ice in there, that would then be... Then that would be legit. That would be pretty super legit. Super legit. But I, I think it's a combo one. I think, I'm think i pretty sure I see the mechanisms for air hockey. All right. I am so, down to play some freaking air I hockey. I think we're about to do like a circuit challenge Let's of do uh, it. who's going to win at pool, foosball, and, and air hockey. It'll be me, but I, I will take the victory. Uh, I will take the victory. Uh, Just saying. I, I'll, I'll, I'll take that win. Uh, USC will be looking for a win. On Saturday, looking to run their record to four and one. It is a big game this week, one that you would have circled before the season. Uh, USC's first trip to Washington in three years since that big win in 2016. Before we get into it, we did want to read a new review we got on Apple Podcasts. This comes from Lilani08. Love the podcast, but please stop ads for Jewel. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Always enjoy listening to Michael Alicia. One less star, giving you four, four out of five stars, because I have to say I'm really disappointed you guys have ads for Juul. Especially given the recent evidence that vaping can have dangerous effects on your lungs, especially in young people. It saddens me that you guys would endorse such a product. Otherwise, keep up the great work and fight on. Thanks for the review, Leilani. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. We always appreciate our reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, one little note there about the the ads. Uh, we don't actually have any control over the ads that that are played. Everyone hears sort of a different ad. Uh, it works kind of like a website. We say put an ad here, and then what gets delivered is based on a variety of things, including the content, uh, the the user, um, the the demographics of the user, uh, the the geography, all these variety of different things. Um, so any particular ad that that is not a live read is not something that we have specifically put in there because of our relationship with said company. Yeah, like we wouldn't even know what ads you were getting or, or weren't getting. And if you're in Texas and getting an ad, it's going to be different than the ones that, that... You might get a Whataburger ad. You might know? get a Whataburger ad. This We've had people talk about getting Whataburger, ad, Whataburger ads after uh, our shows, just we've when we've been discussing Whataburger as a pure coincidence. Uh, the people in California are getting different ads than the people in New York and, and all of that. So, uh, you know, it's... It's definitely not something that we have control over. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's just that's just the way it works. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but thank you, as always, for the reviews and any new reviews you can leave on Apple Podcasts uh, and we will read it on the show. Uh, also on Stitcher. Uh, if you listen on Stitcher, leave us a review on Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher has reviews um, and I think we've gotten three all time and they're always popped in at like random times. So. Uh, if you're listening to us on Stitcher, uh, do us a solid, help grow the show uh, by leaving a review there as well, uh, which also leads us into talking about Patreon. Alicia, so much stuff is going down on Patreon, including today here in Seattle, we're going to record our pregame Q&A. Uh, your rewatch will go down on Sunday night slash Monday morning, whenever that gets up and looking back at what happens on Saturday's game between the Trojans and the Huskies. 
Yeah, looking forward to, to doing another rewatch uh, this weekend, another on-location rewatch, which they're always a little bit more interesting, trying to get the setup going. But uh, yeah, I've been having fun with those, and it's always good to to confirm what you thought when you were watching the game or disprove what you thought when you were watching the game. And so we could really get down to the heart of it, track uh, exactly what the offensive line and what the defensive line were doing, were they succeeding, were they failing, who was standing out and making the big plays, who was at fault when there were bad plays that were happening. So that's all that stuff that goes down in the uh, in the rewatch and people seem to like it. So that's good. Yeah, patreon.com slash Troy is where you can become a patron for Rain of Troy Radio's bonus content. Get all of our bonus content for as little as five fifty-five a month. All of our bonus episodes. Uh, for ten bucks, you get to join our Slack community called the Rot Crew, uh, which is super fun to be a part of. Uh, we talk about so many random things about life, about USC football, uh, about so much more, and it's really become a strong, um, thriving community. So, so that is at the ten dollar level. patreoncom choice where you can join and become a patron and help support the show, help support trips like this to Seattle, uh, and so much more. So uh, do that, and you'll be awesome, but you're always awesome. Thanks for listening, as always. Let's just get into this thing and get to the news up next. See, the big question all week is who is going to start at quarterback for the Trojans on Saturday afternoon at Husky Stadium? Uh, there's no official word, but it might as well be. It's going to be Matt Fink, right? Uh, Keaton Slovis did not participate on Tuesday or Wednesday, and we will find out what happens uh, today as we record this Thursday when Clay Helton meets with the media later on. This is going to be a Matt Fink game, which makes it the third starter in five games, assuming that it ends up being the case as expected. Yes. Yeah, I I would be surprised if anyone but Matt Fink started this game just because Keaton Slovis didn't practice on Tuesday, he didn't practice on Wednesday. And even if he's cleared for concussion protocol, which, you know, usually takes about a week. uh, Now, it would have been a week ago on Friday that he... Uh, suffered the concussion that he that we assume he suffered but uh, still that's that's pretty late in the week for him to get cleared uh, without a week of practice for a young player like that I think the safe bet is just to go ahead with Matt Fink especially because he did lead you to victory uh, against Utah so that's the assumption that we have to make and I think that's the I think that's the correct move for USC not to thrust Keaton Slovis back in as soon as he's cleared like this isn't when he hasn't had a week of practice exactly yeah Yeah. I, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, it, it'd be a different story if they were both healthy. Uh, that's a different story. But if if they're not and they haven't had the full week of practice, I think you definitely have to go uh, with Matt Fink. And talking about people who haven't had a full week of practice, Talano Hufanga and Elijah Griffin in the secondary, two guys who left the game early. Uh, Hufanga had 14 tackles against Utah last week. And was an absolute menace. Clay Helton talked about it in his in his conference call. He said that, that was the best performance by a USC safety since he got to USC in 2010. I still don't know if I 100% agree with that statement. But if nothing else, it was a testament to how good Hufanga was in that game. And he was really damn good. 
he might not be there this week for USC when they definitely need him against the Huskies uh, because he has not been participating because he's also in concussion protocol. Yeah, that's the big, big concern, big problem, because Delano Hufanga has been one of USC's best players so far this year. So being without him kind of changes all of the equations that I want to make uh, that were that we're going to be making when when we later on in this episode preview the game. Uh, you take Telano Havanga out of the lineup, and USC's severely diminished on uh, on on defense. Now they're probably going to have Chase Williams in there if Talanoa can't go. Uh, so Chase Williams will start at safety, and Greg Johnson will take will will stay at nickelback um, with Chris Steele and uh, and Isaac Taylor Stewart handling duties at corner. But I mean that's uh, it's very thin, isn't it? If if, if you suffer another injury at any one of those positions you're you're you know digging into the backups quite a bit in order to fill some room if uh Fanga isn't isn't available yeah it's it's pretty flacco i would say part of that is because of what's going on at cornerback uh we talked about it last week especially in the car cast of usc beat utah they did it without their two starting corners its isaac taylor stewart missed the game last week against the utes and then Elijah Griffin essentially missed the second half of that game. He was pulled early, and ITS is going to be back for Washington, but Elijah Griffin is a big question mark. Yeah, and that's why it's so much more important that ITS is cleared and, and back and practicing because uh, with, with Elijah Griffin, like Talano Hufanga, like Keaton Slovis, guys who didn't practice on Tuesday or Wednesday, you have to look to the weekend and, and be skeptical about their, their ability to participate, and if he's unavailable, then you're down to your last two sort of really viable starting candidates at a corner with Chris Steele and Isaac Taylor Stewart. So if Isaac Taylor Stewart wasn't available, you'd have a real pickle on your hands because you'd have to move Greg Johnson over uh, from nickel to corner like they did in the second half against Utah. Um, but this time you wouldn't have Chase Williams available to fill in at nickel because Chase Williams is going to be filling in at safety. So, you, I mean, my best guess for that situation would be that Chase Williams would come in at nickel and they'd bring C.J. Pollard in at safety. But then again, like I was saying earlier, at that point, you're literally one injury away from playing a true freshman that they do not intend to play yet. Uh, we're talking Britton Allen. We're talking uh, Jaden Williams. Uh, we're talking Max Williams. Max Williams. We're talking uh, Adonis Ote. Any any of those guys? Like they Clayton, do not. To, to be fair, talked about them in his conference call, uh, but it very much feels like they're they're guys that are going to be Kyle Forded, yes. which is what you want to do with, with yeah. These guys. They they don't want to have to play those guys yet. Uh, they they certainly are are guys that they see progressing through. It's now been a month that they've had of the season. They've had the full fall camp. So you have to think that they're progressing. But those are definitely guys that the coaches have not wanted to throw out there yet. And uh, it would be a you know worst case scenario that you throw them out there for this game. But you, you just got to, you know, next man up it essentially. But USC is definitely sitting on the edge there as far as the level of next man upping that they might have to do in the secondary if things don't uh, don't go their way. Yeah, it's it's going to be a risky, risky proposition for the Trojans going in to uh, a hostile environment at Husky Stadium, the number 17 team in the country, the Washington Huskies. Let's get right into this game preview. Uh, Washington 3-1, and SC 3-1, and similar records, similar but yet not similar ways of getting there. Washington is completely dominated in their three wins. 
and struggled mildly in their loss, which was to Cal. Uh, and then SC, as looked really good in one game, uh, struggled in the other two and still got wins over Fresno State and, and Utah. And, you know, they, they dominated uh, Stanford, finished that game on a 42-3 to run. Uh, but then they struggled mildly against BYU, the, the common opponent, uh, a team that Washington thrashed this past weekend. So everything's a big question mark for USC. It looks much better for Washington. There's a reason that the Huskies are 10-point favorites in this game. What do you make of, of what UW is right now? 3-1, and one, it feels like you know them and SC have gotten their their loss out of the way. But it's also an eliminator in a lot of different ways. Fortunately for USC, that loss came to BYU, and it's not in Pac-12 play. But if Washington loses this game, their chances of winning the Pac-12 North uh, drop tremendously uh, with two losses already. If SC loses this game, they've kind of got the leeway of you know the the win over Utah already. But they'd be three and two, and we, we've talked about it before. Like, what does a three and two start mean for Clay Helton and and all that stuff? Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot going on here and there's a lot that we don't know about these two teams yet. And that's the thing that I'm most curious about with both of them is is USC gets the big upset over Utah, but we can chalk that off to Utah at the Coliseum as much as anything else. Uh, USC still needs to prove that they have rebounded from that BYU game. USC still has to prove that the BYU game was more about Keaton Slovis's interceptions than USC's uh, deficiencies throughout that game. Uh, they would they would certainly put a lot of uh, a lot of weight in their corner if they were able to to go on the road to Washington and get a win here. The question I have for Washington is also about legitimacy, though, because Washington has been a team over the last few years that I have been skeptical of. Not that they aren't good because they are good. They are reliable where USC is unreliable, but they've also been lacking in terms of their ceiling in terms of of their competitiveness at the top level they're prone for a clunker yeah and and, and we'll we'll see those vulnerable. from time to time they're vulnerable i i felt that chris peterson's washington has been consistent but vulnerable at times and uh when you put them up against the top notch competition you don't you, i don't think you're guaranteed to have them come out and, and give you a game and we've seen that over the past few years we've seen that with the performance in the in the playoff we saw that with USC in 2016 and we've seen them struggle at, at other times in the past too i'm not trying to delegitimize them i'm just trying to say that there are there are uh, th- th- there is room for someone to get to to get in a punch on on washington and and have them go down so washington we saw that with cal washington looks great against BYU. They look great against uh, whatever FCS school they played that I don't currently remember. Uh, they Eastern, look, Eastern Washington. They look great against Hawaii. Those are not particularly exceptional opponents, except that USC lost to BYU. So, like, the the the, the comparisons there are, are really funky. Um, but Washington gets the tough matchup against Cal under difficult circumstances and loses that game. And the question, for that, I, the question that I have for USC is... What was, uh, you know, was Utah more about Utah or USC? The question I have for Washington is, was Cal more about the circumstances of having that game delayed, playing it late at night and just getting into a funk? Or was it about Washington not being able to overcome Cal's defense and not being able to to, to stick with Cal when they were challenged by 
uh, what we all agree to be one of the better defenses in the Pac-12. How did they respond? Now, I'm not going to act like USC isn't, you know, is up there with Cal among defenses in the Pac-12, but USC certainly has bodies on defense that make you think that they could give Washington a challenge. And particularly, I look at the guys like J. Tufele and Marlon Tupelotu and Christian Rector and USC's defensive front as the key to this game where Washington is going to have to prove that they're for real by getting one up on USC's best unit on defense, which is the defensive line. Yeah, it's really interesting because if you look at how if you if you create a blueprint for how USC wins this game, it is the exact same blueprint from 2016. 100%. It's winning the game up front. SC yes. has the talent to do it. Uh, this is obviously uh, the best offensive line that USC will face all year, more than likely. Uh, the but this is arguably absolutely loaded on the offensive line. You got Trey Adams, a first-team All-Pac-12er in 2016. You got Nick Harris, a first-team All-Pac-12er last year. Both preseason All-Americans. Yeah. A bunch of legitimate talent on that offensive line. So many guys that that return. All five guys return on that offensive line. Uh, even though Trey Adams has had a couple of years where he's been he's been injured, but this is a huge challenge for SC. But you can see that if USC is to win this game, or at least dictate part of it, you know how they're going to do it. Well, and this but is it's the best. decidedly different than what Cal has done because you know. I, I told you off air that all week my biggest question has been, did that Cal game mean more about about the weather, more about Washington, or more about Cal? And in everything I look at, in, in terms of statistics, I think it says more about Cal than anything else. Because, you know, you can look at Jacob Eason's numbers, and Jacob Eason transfers from Washington. He's a Washington kid. goes to He's the number one quarterback in the country goes to Georgia, he gets Wally pipped by Jake Jake Fromm uh, after he gets gets injured. Fromm obviously takes uh, Georgia to the national title game as a true freshman, and Eason transfers back home to Washington, right? So, Jacob Eason's numbers this far are fascinating. In the three wins, which have all been by at least 26 points, his passer rating is a 193.1, against Eastern Washington, 199.63 against Hawaii, and 200.93 against BYU. Those are, you know, we're, we're talking like Oklahoma the last few years, Baker Mayfield, uh, Kyler Murray, Tua Tagovailoa numbers. That's how good Jacob Eason has been in those three wins. The loss to Cal, a passer rating of 98.69. So, is that loss about him? Is that loss about Cal's defense? Is that loss about the weirdness of the weather? I think it's more about Cal because you look back at last year. Uh, this year, Cal beats Washington by one point twenty nineteen. Last year, Cal beats Washington 12-10 in Berkeley. Uh, Cal ends up winning that game with defensive scores. Cal doesn't score an offensive touchdown in that game. Cal, that was a very Cal performance yeah, last year. <laughs> but, there, but Cal's defense is what yeah. is what did it in, right? And you, you look at um, Browning's numbers, Jake Browning's numbers, almost identical. His passer rating last year against Cal, 98.62. Again, Jacob Eason against Cal, 98.69. Uh, Browning against Cal last year, 12 of 25, completing... 48% of his passes for 159 yards. 
Flipped that over to Eason this past year. 18 of 30, 60% of his passes for 162 yards. A little bit better for Eason. He's playing it at home. But still, the results are almost freaking identical. I think it's more about Cal than anything else, which makes it harder to read in to Washington because what Cal is going to do on defense is decidedly different than what USC is going to do. Cal's strength is in the secondary. USC's weakness is out on the perimeter, uh, defending the run on the perimeter, which involves the secondary, and it's defending the pass strictly because USC has, you know, young guys out there that are still, you know, coming into their own, right? And you're going to have growing pains when you have... ITS and Elijah Griffin and, you know, Chase Williams and Chris Steele and all these young guys at cornerback, you have to understand that that's going to be part of it. And you, you throw the injuries in there too. If SC is going to win this game, it's going to be up front, not in the back end. And I don't know how that Cal game translates to any of this. Well, I'll tell you how the Cal game translates to any of this. Uh, How many sacks did Washington give up in the other three games where Jacob Eason had 190 passer rating or or better? I'm going to guess it's not many. One across all three. They give up four sacks against Cal. So that's always what I'm looking at. That's always what I looked at when I looked at Jake Browning. Jake Browning, you could, you know, put him in a clean pocket and he'll he'll dink and dunk you to death, but get him rattled, get a get a pass rush at him, and that's how USC beat Washington in 2016. Porter Gustin, Rasheem Green, and, and Stevie Tuikilavatu made sacks, his life though. miserable. So Cal gets four sacks for 13 yards. One of them is one yard. You know what that tells yeah. me? Those are covered sacks. Well, may, maybe, but or that, that's all. That's that's or all Jacob the secondary is, locking up receivers. Or Jacob Eason is is uh, stepping up in the pocket and still getting collapsed on, or sure. whatever. I mean, coverage sacks they may be, but the fact of the matter is, is when you get to the quarterback, you're going to produce worse right. numbers. Yeah. And frankly, this is this is my point: is that USC arguably is going to be the best defensive line that Washington has faced so far this year. Um, Cal's defensive line is very good, but I think you you can look at USC's defensive line and their ceiling is certainly higher than than Cal's. So I think that's the great equalizer here. And and I agree it, it you know USC replicating Cal's performance against Washington is a huge ask. We all agree I think that Cal's defense is on a whole other level than USC's. But if USC can go into it just saying you know keep the same um, keep the same strategy, create the impact plays get the the big tackle for loss, get the big sack, get the interception when it comes your way, then you can perfect be perfectly fine in keeping your what do we say the 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 21 the 21 to 28 point range for this defense. And that's kind of what you need to hope for if you're USC is just create more havoc plays than Washington is able to uh to to contend with. The the concern I have for USC is that they have created the Havoc plays and gotten away with it in four games now, but they've done so while living on, you know, on, on a knife's edge. And eventually you're going to get cut by, you know, having it go swing the wrong way. Uh, so that's the big thing, the big question that I have for USC's defense. But I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued because I think that USC's defensive line can get the better of Washington. I think USC's defensive line could have their coming out moment in this game. 
uh, you know, uh, in Seattle and, and, and a moment where they really impose their will on a game from start to finish like they did in 2016. Inside the tackle box. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Well, well, so this I, is, I, I would I would agree. With but you. this is the good thing is Washington is not a, a, a spread you out kind of like Washington is not like Utah, where they're going to try and try and their 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 bread and butter is not the edges. Yeah, but but if you watch the film, that's how to beat USC. Right. I, like Peterson's not dumb. Right. Yes. OK, I, exactly. Yes. Peterson's not dumb. And this is where the big concern with USC comes in is this is on the road against Chris Peterson. But when you were playing Utah, Utah wants to go wide. U- Utah wants to use misdirection. Fresno State wants to get their quarterback running. Um, the one time that USC has played a not particularly mobile quarterback in a more straightforward offense, it was against Stanford, and Stanford tried their misdirection kind of stuff. They had some success with screens. Yeah, their but misdirection also, was in the form of screens. Right, but they also got blown up. Uh, they also got, you know, stifled by USC. And Jacob Eason is a much better quarterback than Davis Mills, so I don't, like, I'm not trying to, to downplay the challenge that USC's defense has here, but in terms of matchups, this is a much better matchup for USC than the Utah game was because Utah is very comfortable with those, you know, getting their speedy guy out on those uh, on those uh, uh, jet sweeps and and fly sweeps and, and the like where Washington, that's that's not so much their game. I think they're going to try it because that's obviously how you beat USC. But when you force a team to do something that isn't their bread and butter, I think that's a victory in theory. See, I don't think it's I don't think it's that simple. I think that yeah, Jacob Eason's not going to be the guy who's going to, you know, keep on a keeper and, you know, gash you that way. He is going to be in the pocket. He is not going to run the ball as effectively well, as Zach all Wilson those times or, that we, or Tyler Huntley. All of those times that we saw USC's defensive end biting on the quarterback, that's not something that You're they should be doing that. in this game. No, but... They've got a stable of running backs that are more than capable of getting to the edge. When you look at Ahmed and Newton and McGrew well, is Ahmed going to be available? This is a big qu- again. Newton you, and McGrew absolutely can can get to the outside, right? But there, there's playmakers at, at receiver uh, for for the Huskies. When you look at guys like Aaron Fuller, right? I'm not saying Washington isn't a great isn't a good team. Like I'm just saying that this is this matchup suits USC more than most of the matchups that they've had. Yeah, previous. but but they're also not Stanford. No, they're not. Like, they're like, not Stanford. They're, they're not and st- we saw USC's defense have issues with BYU, but you know they're, this time they're not going to have to face uh, Zach Wilson, which is uh, you know the problem is that Jacob Eason is the best passer that USC will have faced so far. So USC's and DBs SC are gonna- has not faced a precision passer. Who's going? In, Which in, is why it's well, especially important well, that you get l- him. Let me clarify that a little bit because Tyler Huntley is a great passer. I don't want to take anything away from him, but what I'm saying is they're not going to face a passer like Eason. They haven't faced a passer like Eason who's going to be in the pocket. Yeah, the pocket passer. A, a pocket passer who's going to beat you that way and test your secondary that way. Yeah. Uh, Davis Mills just did not do it. He could not throw a downfield ball to save his his life. Right. And Eason will be able to throw dimes out there if, well, if he if, he if you needs give him to. time. That's why it all For comes sure. down yeah. to what is USC's defensive front doing here? Because if USC's defensive front gives him time, then it's going to be a real long night because USC doesn't have the horses to go toe to toe with with Washington's skill position players play in and play out if Jacob Eason is able to sit back there comfortable. But again, this comes back to I've seen 
Washington quarterbacks get uncomfortable and all of a sudden life's not so easy. And I think that that's something that that now, granted, I wish I had been able to watch that that Cal UW game to know exactly how it is that Cal got those sacks. But it still comes down to there is no it's not a coincidence that the one game when UW gives up four sacks is the one game when Jacob Eason has a sub 100 passer rating. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Let, let's flip it around and talk about USC's defense. Sorry, USC's offense going up against Washington's defense. Uh, talk about a ton of losses. That's what Washington had last year. Ben Burkirvan, the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, he's gone. Uh, Taylor Rapp, uh, Byron Murphy, Greg Gaynors, all first team, all Pac-12ers, they are all gone. Uh, the Huskies are replacing a ton of talent on defense because of that but they kind of have not missed a beat defensively. I mean, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski is still a co-defensive coordinator uh, along with Jimmy Lake. These guys know what they're doing. Uh, their scheme is up there with the, you know, the best in the country for uh, stopping offenses like USC's. Uh, look at what they have done against Washington State year in and year out. Now, USC is not nearly as one-dimensional in the simplicity side of it uh, that Washington State is, is going to bring you. And I think that having Matt Fink at quarterback, uh, like like we've said earlier uh, on this podcast, he his, his ability to improvise, I think, takes USC out of the offense a little bit. That might be a benefit uh, in that if, you know, if UW is so good at snuffing out the air raidness of teams like Washington State, then maybe Fink is the little wrinkle uh, that can provide the difference there where they can attack you with the air raid, but they also cannot because he's not going to be strictly an air raid quarterback. Well, USC is going to want him to be an air raid quarterback. The question of the question is, what does UW give him as far as, you know, Utah was giving Matt Fink the one-on-one situations and he was taking advantage every time he saw it. So we're going to see if UW opens that up is it, it i mean if i'm UW, i probably still look at what byu did and say let's just drop eight drop eight yeah. you know um i i don't trust usc's offensive line enough to say that they're going to be able to prevent pressure from a three-man rush so and i'd just drop eight for for years uh pete Kukowski has talked about how much of a benefit it is when you can get a pass rush just by sending three or four yeah and, and not having to develop the, these complex blitz schemes that you see from someone like Clancy Pendergast. Well, and see, this is what, this is the interesting thing. There was a conversation after the Utah game about did Utah, was was Utah be guilty of being a little bit arrogant? Because maybe they trusted their DBs a little bit too much. And we came into that game saying this, this is a really good defensive back uh, unit, but did they trust them too much in the situations they put them in? Um, Utah did a good job of, of mixing things up, using exotic uh, fronts and exotic blitzes to try and get one over on USC's uh, defense on, on USC's offensive line. And that certainly worked. But Matt Fink kind of became the great equalizer because he just bailed the pocket and then flung it downfield in one into one on one situation and let his receivers go ahead and, and, and uh, make the play. Right. So Washington is probably going to be more like the BYU model where they just sit, sit eight back. But then that, that here's my big question is, does Matt Fink's mobility help you out there? Because if you put eight back and USC unleashes Matt, Matt Fink as a, as a runner, you soften up that defense a little bit. If USC is able to 
consistently run the ball with with Vavai Malapai and Marquis Step and Stephen Carr. If USC is able to to replicate what they did in the last two drives against Utah, where they actually blocked competently, like then you can take like th- that was the problem with USC's offense against BYU. It wasn't how much they were running or anything like that. It was the quality of the runs that they were getting against the fronts that they were that they were facing. So if USC just puts in a better performance, which I know is asking a lot because I never want to rely on USC to put in a better performance, but um, USC, it's not like BYU shut down USC's offense uh, because scheme. They shut down USC's, well, they didn't even shut you down. Where they stopped USC's offense was because USC's execution was extremely lacking. Uh, so that's one area that USC can take a step forward. And even if I'm not going to necessarily bank on that, but what it's going to come down to is the execution of USC's players. And that's the, the one of the things that I talked about on, on Rainertro.com this week is, you know, Utah felt like they were going to have an edge over over USC or at least be able to go toe to toe with USC's wide receiver core. If any secondary that USC faced not named Cal's was going to have going to be able to potentially limit those guys, it was going to be Utah. What happened? Michael Pittman and Tyler Vons and Amonor St. Brown were just flat out better than the guys they faced. And I, I, I think Washington's defense, their secondary is uh, I think there's a plug and play element to them for sure. But if if Michael Pittman is just flat out better than the guys that he's facing, if he just makes more plays, then, you know, that offense can kind of work. But again, you're sort of pinning all your hopes and dreams on USC athletes being USC athletes, which is kind of what we didn't want to have to see this year. Right. Like that's the, 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 the situation that I think USC finds themselves in with with Matt Fink delivering the offense that he delivered last week i mean i don't know at this point yeah i hear you that that all makes sense i i just have to remind you this is matt fink's first road start uh what happened with keaton slovis on his first road start I know Matt Fink has played at Utah. He's played at Notre Dame. And so. that's the thing. The, these are the things that give me this. If you want to take an optimistic view of this game with regard to Matt Fink, is that Matt Fink has twice gone in in hostile environments late in games. So let's sort of late in pump, blowouts, pump, by the way, pump the brakes on, no on whether or not you can read anything into those performances. But but we have seen Matt Fink in enemy territory put together. We've never even seen him prepare as the number one. Before. No, no. So like it's a it's a complete unknown. But. It's not like he's never taken the field on the road and like when he took the field on the road against Utah and Notre Dame, he didn't crap the bed. That's I mean, that's a minute like that's a minimum po- positive, right? Like, yeah, but this is going to be the loudest venue he's ever played at in his life. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So we're going to find out how Matt Fink responds. But the evidence that we have so far does not necessarily point to Matt Fink crapping the bed. The well, evidence well, to Keaton Slovis didn't didn't point that way either. Did well, it? but we literally had no evidence on Keaton Slovis. Like Keaton Slovis had never even had a play where he was on an on a on a, an opposing turf. Like sure, but we had seen how the offense looked the week week before and had you know sat here and said that there was no football reason that SC should lose the game, and they did. So yeah, uh, the, well, the way we, I didn't, look- we didn't account for Kiris Tonga and all that crap. Sure, but uh, <laughs> the way I look at it. Uh, as we mentioned in our little opening, the, USC's last two trips to Husky Stadium, 2009 and 2016. Uh, in 2012, they played at CenturyLink. Uh, we're just going to ignore that game <laughs> for, the, for the case of this argument. 
Um, but 2009, it's a week after SC beats Ohio State. And SC goes in that game without Matt Barkley. He's injured. It's Aaron Corp. The ultimate deer in the headlights game, SC can't do anything. They become one-dimensional, a running team. And it, they put together a great couple of first drives and then don't do anything after that. And it's SC losing because of Aaron Corp. And that's a problem. It's first road start. It's first start ever, right? I will never forget the deer in the headlights look that it Aaron was Corp had. The only other quarterback I've ever seen have that look ever is Kevin Kraft. Yeah. Well, it's the equivalent. It's the quarterback equivalent of a Cyrus Hobby game, like where you just look at him and go, yeah. like, that's not like Clay this Hilton, dude should Clay not Hilton, be in the game. Clay Hilton talks a lot about how I looked him in the eyes and I saw, you know, like I, I only I can only imagine what Clay Hilton would have had to spin about looking Aaron Corp in the eyes and saying, <laughs> was that kid ready? No, no, he was not. <laughs> you know, the, the Seinfeld episode where there's uh, Jerry's dating a two face. It's the it's the bad face. That's Aaron Corp. I think I've actually seen this episode. Because it's like, <laughs> like well, I, I don't I don't like that look. I don't like that. Look. That was Aaron Corp. And who knows? Maybe you'll see that from Matt Fink. We we don't know yet uh, because we haven't seen him prepare as a starter on the road for at, at all, really, right. uh, home or on the road. So that is something to think about. But then you couple that with the most recent trip in which it was the best defensive performance we've seen from USC under Clancy Pendergast. They hold Washington to 17 rushing yards. Sam Darnold gets all the credit. He shouldn't. He, that like, game that was game was all Adoree Jackson. Gust- Porter, it was Gustin, all Porter Gustin, Gustin, Green, and, and Stevie Tuikulavatu. Yes. Like that yes. was that was the day that USC's two man front, the Rasheem Green Tuikulavatu uh, tandem, proved they that they that could game. absolutely destroy a game. And Porter Gustin was a monster coming off the edge. Yeah, Adoree two picks. It was a dominant game from the defense. They they completely took the roar out of Husky Stadium. USA Today had pictures uh, in our in our, our gallery that we used to have access to yeah. back back in 2016. There were just these wonderful pictures with Jake Browning sitting on the floor with Porter Gustin standing over him, and with the like, Aaron Corp look. With the Aaron Corp look, yeah, exactly. They made they made Jake Browning look like Aaron Corp. That's why I, I again. Sam Darnold was huge in 2016, but you cannot tell me that USC's defense in 2016 had nothing, no, no part to play in that because that win was 1000% about the defense. And you're right. Adore Jackson came up with timely interceptions and the defensive line absolutely ran that game. So when you look at, like you said earlier, the roadmap to USC winning this game is the defensive line has to run this game and USC needs one of their DBs to come up with the big plays in the big moments. Now, where I will say that the Cal game lays a little bit of the groundwork is Washington couldn't finish off drives in that game. They ended up settling for a ton of field goals. That's kind of what just happened for USC last week against Utah. Well, that's what's happened to USC in all of these games. Yeah, like as as bad as USC's defense has looked at times, as many yards as they've given up, as, as gashed as, as they've been, they've found ways to get off the field inside the 30, right? Inside the 40. Yeah. Uh, which is remarkable given, again... How gashed they've looked repeatedly over and over and over again, especially out on the perimeter, right? So, there it is. If USC can control the game on the defensive front and or force Washington to settle for field goals 
and have Matt Fink get a touchdown every couple of drives, every few drives, that's the way to win the game, kind of similarly to uh, to what USC did last week. Well, again, it, it goes down to can they do it again? Can they sustain this defensive bend but don't breaky weird you know give up 13 yards on a third and 12 mm, i don't know man i mean i don't know i i genuinely don't know i think there's a lot of different ways this game can go and it's given me it's given me issues trying to sort of predict what's going on well, see, washington is a 10 point favorite they're gonna blow them out we know that. <laughs> uh, let's get no to the football over-under. reasons michael let's get to the over under up next So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right, Alicia, let's get into the over-under for the season. I have a one-game lead. I am 15-12. and 12. You are 14-13. and 13. What is your first over-under? All right, my first over-under is 3.5 pass plays of 20 or more yards for Washington. Uh, they averaged 3.75, or so far this year they've averaged 3.75, almost four pass plays of 20 yards or more per game. And USC has given up 3.25 pass plays of 20 or more yards per game so far. So will USC be able to cut their average down a little bit, or will UW take advantage of USC downfield? I think this is an easy over. I, I think that if you're Eason, you're going to want to force USC secondary to to defend you, uh, if nothing else, and you're going to want to take shots over and over and over again. So I say that this is an easy over for me. I am going to go bold and take the under. I, I I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. I think the USC's defense is going to be able to get enough pressure that I don't know that Jacob Eason is going to have a ton of time to take too many shots. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm going. I think, I think it'll be probably right at three, three passing plays. Of you know, the gif of the guy blinking. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's me right now. Yeah. That, that is me right yeah. now. Uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, my first one over under five and a half rushes for Steven Carr. He's averaging six per game, which means that if he just hits his average, he will get the over, but he had six against Fresno state. He had six against Stanford, nine against uh, BYU, but only three last week against Utah. Uh, Marquis Stepp has kind of taken over a little bit in terms of the number there. So, uh, I mean, we saw Marquis Stepp with, with more carries against BYU. So what happens? What happens for Stephen Carr? Can he get to six carries again? I feel bad for Stephen Carr because I've been doing the rewatch after all of these games and I can tell you like Stephen Carr is getting nothing in terms of blocking and I know he dances a little bit too much but like I think he's dancing because he's literally getting he's nothing. He's not, get, not getting any run support? The, no run support. Um, so Marquis Step is getting more carries but that's because they're putting Marquis Step in for short yarded situations. Um, I don't I don't know what to think about Carr in this situation. I because here's the thing is if 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 I'm UW, I do what BYU did and I beg USC to run. So does that mean more rushing attempts across the board? I mean there the, the BYU game Carr has nine rushing attempts because USC has so many rushing attempts, right? This is tough. This is tough. I am gonna go over. I wanna take over too, so 
for no reason at all. I'm just taking over. I, I'm taking the over because I liked I liked the thought that you mentioned about. Uh, I think the game will be more similar to the BYU game where SE will need to run. Yeah. A and B, you need to be able to run the football in this game. I, do I think they'll have success? No, I'm not banking on it. Uh, given the last two weeks. But SC needs to find a way to at least try because it's Matt Fink on the road in his first start in a hostile environment. Are you really the loudest stadium in the Pac-12? Like, these are things to worry about. And I know that you don't want to just run to run. That's not what the offense is. But I think that there will be ways to get all the running backs involved. Especially when a defense is dropping eight. In coverage and exactly. begging you to run. All the, yeah, all those things kind of play into a factor there uh, where I think the over is is the right pick. So we do agree on that one. We're both taking the over. Let's go to do your next over-under. I'm staying on a similar theme as my first one. 3.5 pass plays of 20 or more yards for USC this time. So USC has averaged in four games 4.25 pass plays of 20, more, 20 or more yards per game. Matt Fink had six had six of those against Utah. So Matt Fink with the YOLO raid is here. And uh, Washington has only given up 2.75 pass plays of 20 or more yards per game so far, but they really haven't faced, uh, you know, a a passing attack that's going to try and air it out long. They haven't faced a receiving core like USC's. Like USC's yet, no. And and as we discussed earlier, if Michael Pittman and Tyler Vonson Amon Ross and Brown are going to go off. They're going to go off. So 3.5. Lock up the over for me. There's anything I'm confident in. It's this. The one thing that you can bet on US bet on with USC is the receivers at this stage. Like I will not bet on USC's offensive line. I will not bet on Matt Fink. I will not bet on anything, but I will bet on USC's receivers. So I too am taking the over. Yeah. Especially when you have the three headed monster where if, okay, you want to take away Amon Ross St. Brown. Well, then throw to Michael Pittman. Yeah. You want to take away Pittman, too? You throw to Bonds. Somebody will be open, uh, in theory. I mean, if they're going to drop eight and, and try to, you know, zone out those guys, that's a, that's a different different story. But I, somebody will make a play uh, a couple of times. USC has like, too much talent at receiver. I also like USC's receivers uh, yards after catch potential. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. My next over under is 42.5% on third down conversions for Washington. Uh, The Huskies have been over 50% in every game, save for Cal, when they were at 37.5%. So over 50% in the wins at 37.5% in the loss uh, to Cal. So number right there in the middle, 42.5%. USC season average is 37.5% defensively which is right in line with what the the Huskies did against Cal. Hmm. So basically, the question is, will USC be able to keep it up? Because their third down, weirdly enough, as bad it's as they like are... Blue as bad as they are on third downs, they've been kind of good on third downs. <laughs> Like they're bad on third downs, except when except when you look at their percentages and like, oh, no, they're actually, you know, screw it. They gave up 13 yards on a third and 15. They still didn't give up the third down, I guess. They just gave you the fourth and two opportunity. But, oh, this is rough. Um, Not even a heh about that? Heh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the under on this one. 
because I'm feeling bold. <sighs> I'm inclined to do the under two just because I think at USC, as much as, you know, people remember the third and longs, um, and those are the ones that the USC giving up the third and longs are the ones you, that you remember. Those are the ones that you call into the rant line for and you write emails about. But SC still has, you know, made a lot of third down stops these last couple of weeks. Um, that's the only reason that they were in the BYU game. That's the only reason they were in the Utah game. Um, I will take the under as well. Call it crazy. I know. Uh, let's go to your last over under. What is it? All right, my last over under is 2.5. That is sacks for USC. Uh, in three of the four games that USC has played so far, they've had three sacks. Against Utah, they only had two. Uh, Washington, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, has given up five sacks all season, but four of them were against Cal. Only one of them uh, came in, in any of the other three games. So will USC get over three, uh, get three sacks or more on UW? <sighs> this is tough. I'm going to take the under. Uh, if nothing else, I, I think that I expect Jacob Eason to rebound from the Cal game in terms of getting the ball out. If if he, if he his receivers are locked up and he's going to be taking a sack, I think he's going to be more inclined to get it out a little bit more. Um, maybe this is... Faulty evidence, and I know you're taking the over, so I'm game, a little gamesmanship here, but give me the under. Taking the over. I think USC will get three at least. I think it's a Feeling little bold on, I I'm really high on USC's defensive line right now, and I, I don't like it, actually. All right. Uh, last one for me. Over or under four and a half tackles for loss for the Huskies. UW has averaged three tackles for loss versus FBS opponents. They had nine against Eastern Michigan, uh, Eastern Washington, but we won't count that there. Uh, and USC is allowed 4.25 per game. Uh, Fresno State had three, Stanford five, BYU five, Utah four. That feels like a low number for me. It's, you know, with as many struggles as USC had to run the football the last couple of weeks, only allowing nine total tackles for loss the last two weeks seems like a victory to me. But, I don't know, 4.5 is the line, over or under, tackles for loss for Washington. Mm-hmm. This is... Um, Two USC opponents have done it, Stanford and BYU. That's right. I want to take the over on this, but that's a lot. I mean, nah, who am I kidding? I don't trust USC's offensive line as far as I could throw them. I don't them. think that's a lot. It's an over. It's I'm definitely over. an over. It's an over in this game. Yep. Yeah, it's an over. Uh, so we're both going to take the over there. Let's get to game predictions. Bill Connolly's numbers have Washington by 12 with a predicted score of 36 to 24, <laughs> giving USC a win probability of 24%. Nice. By the way, yeah. 2016, USC <laughs> was projected to lose by 10.2 points uh, with a projected score of 35.3 to 25. Pretty damn close. Pretty mm-hmm. similar. Uh, with a 27.7 win probability for USC, the Trojans did win that game. Uh, Vegas this week has Washington by 10 and a half. Again, 2016, Vegas had Washington by nine and a half. Yeah, they're telling us a lot of things there, Michael. They're telling us a lot of things. And normally I would heed these warnings, 
but I am delirious. So I'm going to be really dumb here. I apologize to everyone for what I'm about to do. But in the preseason, in the preseason, I predicted that USC would start the season four and one. And they would do so by beating Utah at home and then turning around, going on the road and repeating 2016 by beating Washington. I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. I still remain quite skeptical of Washington. I don't think this Washington team is as good as the Washington team that USC faced in 2016. And I don't know that this defense or this defensive line is as good as that 2016 defensive line. But I think they could be really good. Like, J2 Fele and Marlon Tupelotu might be really, really excellent. So I'm going with USC here. I got, and this is where Bill Connolly's projected score of, of 36-24. I don't think this defense is giving up 36 points. I think this defense is doing exactly what we say they're going to do. I mean, somewhere between 20 and 28. So I'm going to split the difference, stick them at, actually, let's go 25 for funsies. And USC will win 26 to 25. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! Yeah, I'm dumb. So don't go taking this info and like putting bets down on this game or anything like that. Because I'm telling you straight out, like I am dumb. But I just, I got a feeling, Michael. Your boldness last week has, uh, has, has, uh, you know, infected me. All right. Alicia, I'm going to Walk you down memory lane here. You and I have taken a lot of trips. Oh, no. A lot of trips. <laughs> uh, yeah. Covering this football team, watching this football team. They started out good. Let's talk about the trips that have gone out of state. All of them. I'm just going to rack them in my brain. First of all, the Vegas Bowl. I mean, Vegas is basically California. It doesn't really count. Uh the the first one on a plane. Notre Dame twenty fifteen, SC loses by ten. Didn't go well. Did not go well. Clay yeah. Helton's first game as an interim, well second game as an interim, interim. You know what I mean? Uh, it was his first game as an interim. No, he was an interim. Oh, in the because Vegas of the Vegas Bowl. Okay. Our first two. Whoa, look at that. Hey. How weird is that? <laughs> um. Other trips, um, I don't know, Alabama in 2016, SC loses by 46. Mm. Mm, not not uh, good. The, 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 did you go to the Stanford? Yeah, you did come to the, the Pac-12 tra- title game in 2015. That's not That's in state. state. Oh, okay, right. That's in okay. state. That was, in still state. was a rot trip. Yeah. Didn't go uh, well. D- did not go well. Uh, 2017, we went to the Cotton Bowl. Didn't go well. Didn't go well, no. Uh, Texas... Last year. Didn't go. Didn't go well. well. We went to Utah. That was another blowout. Not Did, not, not good. Didn't go well. Uh, we went to BYU. Mm. D- didn't go well. Not no, good. No, no, no. Alicia, we're sitting in Seattle right now. Yeah. SC's not winning this game. Yeah. And I already <laughs> said that SC was going to beat Utah, even though they had no business beating Utah. No football reason. No football reason to beat Utah, and they were going to find a way because that's what USC does. And I believe I said SC was going to win that game because the one thing they do is once you think I'm out, they pull you back in. Which is exactly pull what is happening it's to the, me. It's, it's the line. But that's what SC did. They, they, they pulled people back in. 
only to we're, we're sitting here and interestingly enough the, this desk that we're sitting at has a bunch of roses mm-hmm. like i'm guessing for the rose bowl at the airbnb here there's a vase after last week's win, Essie's going to grab this face with all the roses in it <laughs> and shatter it. We're not going to do that, though, because we are respectful of our Airbnb. Sure, but USC, USC is not is not respectful of the Airbnbs. No, they don't respect wood. Um, so <laughs> Essie's losing this game. Uh, it, it's it's mm, I'll stick in line with it with what you're talking about with the defense. Twenty eight seventeen Huskies. Sorry, no, 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 no. That would lose me a bet. Sorry. 28, um, 31-21. 31-21. Sorry. What is your bet? I mean, if you forgot about the bet, then you forgot about the bet. Uh, oh, the, 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 um, the, 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 the two touchdowns. Touchdown. <laughs> 31-21 Washington. Write it down. 31-21 Washington. 31-21 Washington, just so yeah. USC scores three touchdowns. Yeah. Now, SC might, might cover. If it's 10 and a half and they only lose by 10, that's a cover. So. There you go. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe a backdoor cover. Back, okay. Yeah, just yeah. saying. Uh, all right, let's get to the mailbag. Thanks. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with an email we got from Andrew in Buckeye Country. Hello, Michael and Alicia. After coming off the confusing high of beating the number 10 and potentially slightly overrated Utah, we now shift our focus to Washington. And I'm bracing for this team's potential meteoric descent back down to earth. I had some slight optimism about this team going into this game, but with the Vegas line... What I saw Fink do on offense, Washington's history, Helton's awful road prep, the injury report from Tuesday, that optimism is now gone. Pessimistic Andrew, and out in full force over here. Uh, if there's anything that we know about, it's that the air raid dies at Washington. With Fink, our offense is now looking more like a prayer raid, and more like the gumbo offense we had last year, with Hufanga now injured, I think Washington will have a field day on this porous defense. I hate to say it, but I don't think our receivers can bail us out in this one. I'm bracing for a potential blowout. If a blowout happens, I'm not sure how Helton can explain it away. These next three weeks might be brutal. Sorry for being so pessimistic, and I'll totally apologize in my call after the game if we win. But as I said before, I'm bracing for the potential loss slash blowout. Thanks for everything. Fight on, Andrew from Buckeye Country. I like the prayer raid reference there, Andrew. That's <laughs> excellent. Uh, right along there with my YOLO raid. I mean, he, he laid out the groundwork. I mean, okay, this is the thing that I'm having a hard time here with because, like, my heart says they can, they can win this game by just recreating 2016 because Washington is so skeptical of everything. Uh, but at the same time, you lay out the, the facts, and it's not that there are no football reasons for USC to win this game. Alicia, facts don't care about your feelings. Facts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, true story. Um, no, but you you lay out the you lay out the 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 stuff on paper, and all of a sudden you just like go. I mean, there's a reason Vegas doesn't like USC in this game. There's a reason Bill Connolly doesn't like USC in this game. USC never. I mean, I'm making. I'm committing the the cardinal sin here. I'm trusting USC on the road. That's a 
rookie move by me. So, yeah, I, I get where Andrew's pessimism is coming from. I'm switching back and forth on it by the hour. Give it time. By game day, you're going to be like, yeah, this this team's losing. Well, I, 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 it's been five minutes that I've decided this team is losing. All right. So. All right. uh, let's go to an email we got from Irfan who says, uh, Hey, Michael and Alicia, I think SC had a pretty good uh, chance of winning this game. Based on the following, our 25 to 30 points a game defense has taken some criticism, but I don't think they've had a chance to show what they can do. Our D-line has had to play three out of four teams with mobile quarterbacks. The one game we did not, Stanford. Our aggressive line has made a living getting behind opposing opposing teams' offensive lines only to see the quarterback slip away. UW does not have one of those slippery quarterbacks. I think Clancy's D is designed for this type of team. Because of that, I look for Tufele and company to meet up at the quarterback four to five times and control the game, kind of like what they did three years ago. Fight on, Irfan, in Atlanta. Yeah, thanks for the email, Irfan. And, and this is this is the pessimistic optimism, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, if USC's defensive line is good, then this game will go very differently than if this if the defensive line falters. Like, if USC wins, that's why they win. Yes, absolutely. If USC wins, it's because J. Tufele was the best player on the field. And if J. Tufele is the best player on the field, USC probably wins. If Jacob Eason's the best player on the field, SC's losing by three touchdowns. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to a Slack message we got from Josh in Buckeye Country. Will the O-line get bullied less or more in this game? I don't see why it would be less. That's the only... Here's the the, only thing. the, 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 The argument for why it could be less is because how less can... How much less can it be? Well, yeah. Well, okay. Here's the argument for why it could potentially, potentially be less. Um, I am currently stalling so that I can pull up the depth chart for uh, UW. But remember that Utah, big, big, big physical defensive line. BYU, big, big, big physical defensive line. Uh, Washington starting defensive tackles, the interior defensive linemen in this game. 6'3", 293, 6'3", 291. That's uh, Levi Onwuzuriki and Josiah Bronson. I think I got those names right. So... Will USC's line be bullied? 60 pounds lighter than, than Tonga. Yeah. So, and, and, um, um, Le- 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 Fotu's 320, yeah. uh, both of Utah's DTs were 320, 330. So physically, it's a different matchup. Um, maybe it, maybe it, it, it gives, you know, Brett Nealon more of a, of a chance in this game because it, it'll come more down to, uh, the the sort of brains of the operation than the brawn like maybe I don't know I mean I mean they do have uh Tuli uh Latuli Gasson got oh, I you almost used to be so good I at got it. it I got I was I was testing myself to see if I could do Tuli it again Latuli Gasanoa Latuli Gasanoa yeah. is three hundred and eighteen pounds so he's the big physical guy that you could throw at USC but I know that like strength doesn't come down to size completely but when you're talking three thirty. <laughs> when you're talking 330 it's a difference between two, 220 uh, two, 293 why can't I find oh, size doesn't necessarily matter if you want it hard enough <laughs> yeah exactly exactly alright uh, 
Skinner. <laughs> An email we got from Patrick. Uh, hi, Michael and Alicia. I'm new to the podcast this season. Welcome. We're glad to hear. Uh, enjoying it so far. Alicia mentioned this week or two about the game last week. There's been a lot of talk about Reggie and USC's relationship. Today on Twitter, meaning third, uh, Wednesday, uh, Chris Dufresne basically said USC should put up the number five and dare the NCAA to do something about it. And that was my question when Alicia brought it up brought it up a few weeks ago, and I didn't get around to emailing until today. If the NCAA say, says no, Reggie is bad and you can't honor him, what would be the punishment if Essie just said, nah, bleep you, we're doing this. I feel like I've never seen this laid out in plain terms, so I was hoping you guys might have an answer for me. Thanks and fight on, Patrick. Well, see, that's the problem is I don't think anyone has ever openly defied the NCAA like that. So it would be uncharted territory. And so we, we genuinely don't know. Like the, the NCAA could get petty, though. And this is this is something that um, I think I've brought up on, on past shows. Remember, USC is under investigation for the basketball program. Um, USC could be under investigation for a lot of other things if the NCAA wanted to open, you know, open doors that that, that they decide. So... I mean, sure, USC could go and, and poke the beast, but you risk retribution. So here's the thing. Like, I, I know that this would make a lot of people happy. Uh, and, you know, Patrick, certainly. And I, I get it. I 100% get it. At the same time, if the NCAA can also sanction you for defying them, how stupid are you going to look if they did? Like, I I know that, like, I don't think it's worth, I, I, I don't think it's worth hitting a wasp nest just to do it. Just because it feels good in the moment. Like. Yes, I don't think that's worth it. Um, Now, I'm not going to say that the NCAA, NCAA would be able to do anything about it or anything, but, but the possibility is there about any of these things, right? Um, secondly... To to go to Dufresne's um, you know suggestion about uh, well you know the the SE has no names in the back of the jerseys so who's to say the number three up there is for Carson Palmer and not Keyshawn Johnson or, or Curtis Conway right yes but why did those numbers go up there because they won Heisman's like we know why those numbers are there it'd be different if, if it was subjective. Uh, if the 55 was up there, uh, if if 42 was up there for somebody, right? And and that would be a little bit different. But we know why those numbers are there. Secondly, Reggie Bush's number is retired. Nobody's wearing it. It just hasn't been honored in the Coliseum as it used to be. Thirdly, the idea of giving it, uh, of putting up a number five jersey and saying, oh, this is for Rodney Sermons rubs me the wrong like I I get it and I think it'd be clever but it rubs me the wrong way for two reasons number one I think it's asinine to Rodney Sermons to to sit there and be like hey we're gonna retire your jersey but dude this isn't actually for you sorry this is for you know wink wink nudge nudge (laughs) like I think like that's kind of a dick move also if USA did that and they would be perfectly within their right to do so but the NCAA would know that it would be a very obvious middle finger to the NCAA and again this is where I bring up the NCAA is petty and so you might not get direct retribution for putting the number five up but, but they could be they, more 
they could open an investigation into whatever the heck they want, and, and they and, can have more scrutiny in another investigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah like but, the, the the NCAA is. I I don't know that it's worth poking that bear, because you have to be as willing to go as far as the NCAA is, and we've seen how far the NCAA is willing to go to 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 sort of stand their ground on Todd McNair, on Reggie Bush, on the image name and likeness stuff, on all this kind of stuff. Like the NCAA, uh, it, it would, it might feel good in the moment, but uh, you, you're, <laughs> you're asking to get burned. You uh, really are. And my, my other point about the Rodney Sermons thing is again, why are those numbers up there? Because they won the Heisman to retire Rodney Sermons number for Rodney Sermons. As a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, it's the number five for Reggie Bush. Rodney Sermonson win the Heisman. Like you're you're changing why those numbers are there. At that point, you might as well retire fifty-five. You might as well like change all these things. And SC would have the number up there if the Heisman. Like SC is not willingly not honoring Reggie Bush. They're, they would be honoring Reggie Bush. If they could, if he, if the high, if he didn't, you know, give back the Heisman and all that stuff. I, I, I know that these things feel good. I, I get it. And I, 100% Reggie Bush should be brought back and I'm all on board with our friend Ryan Abraham's free Reggie campaign. I'm 150% in that camp. I, I just like this kind of stuff. I, I just... It feels good. I don't know what it actually does. That's that's the thing is it, it doesn't actually accomplish anything. And and the thing is you can put yourself in position to get the retribution that I'm talking about. And the media, everyone might all be in agreement like this is dumb. But we've seen the NCAA do a lot of dumb stuff that gets a ton of blowback from people and nothing happens. Like the kid whose mom has cancer or whatever who tried to transfer away to, to get immediate eligibility at where was it? Virginia or Virginia Tech? One of those places. Um they they haven't changed their mind on that. We all agree it's dumb. And the NCAA is like, okay, so once the media fervor dies down over that kind of thing, you're just left with the reality of where you're, you're at. So USC could make this grand gesture, get smacked in the face. We could all agree that it's ridiculous that the NCAA did that. And then the next day there will be football games to play and no one will talk about it again. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that's, that, that sums up that conversation. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I agree. I, I think Reggie should be back. Yeah. Um, it's it's, it, it's it, ridiculous that the NCAA won't. It's put ridiculous a date. that we're that we're having these conversations because of the situation. Because the they USC won't just in. put a date on it. It's very right. simple. Just call it ten years. Call it fifteen years. Call it something, but give yeah. a date. That's it. That's all I ask. But yeah. the NCAA and not if, doing that tells they, you that if they just... said that it was it would expire in twenty twenty five, everyone would be fine. Yeah, they'd be fine with it. Yeah. Well, people wouldn't be fine with it, but at least then you know. It's the right. indefinite nature of it that's ridiculous. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, last question is a Slack message we got from Sean in Mid-City-ish, who says, Felicia doesn't travel to Seattle due to sickness. Who's the next man up? How many scholarship podcasters are on the roster? We got this question earlier in the week because, Alicia, there was this, there were some serious questions if whether or not you'd be able to make the trip. I mean, I, I I play through the pain, guys. I uh, you know just hook me up to an IV and have me go. This this Seattle game is gonna be my my Michael Jordan flu game. Is that what we're gonna call it? Sure. My my uh, my bloody sock. 
That, that's Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. No, I, I know two different things. Michael Jordan, <laughs> Michael Jordan's flu game. Okay. Kurt Schilling's bloody sock. Paul Pierce's <laughs> wheelchair poop, poop incident. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm making it through, and no need for an X man up. But if we did, you know, we we got friends. We have friends. Do, do we? Allegedly. Allegedly. Maybe. Allegedly. Oh, yeah, I guess we have friends. We have friends. You guys I'm, listening to this I'm confident friends. in Michael's ability to replace me is really what it comes down to. Oh, please. You're the only reason people listen to this dang, dang thing. <laughs> we, we've already discussed this, but anyways, that's going to wrap up the, the game preview. USC and Washington, 12.30 p.m. on Big Fox. It's going to be Brock Heward. It's going to be Joe Davis. It's going to be Bruce Feldman on the Big Fox. Uh, watch that and then immediately turn the channel away because there's going to be a game on it after that nobody on earth wants to watch. So, yeah. Just turn it away. That's it. What do you say? Final word? The final word is... What game? <laughs> I don't know. Baseball season's over, so I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Okay. Right. If I had access to the soundboard, I would hit the crickets thing right now. I'm depressed, okay? I know. Yeah. Right. See ya.